Anyway, so if you've been paying attention to the scripture lessons for Advent this year, this year there's this kind of uh, tension between the message of comfort on the <laughs> They're not going to give up, are they? You want to just pick it up, Lynn? On the other hand, there's this kind of uneasy stress and urgency of being prepared for his second coming on the other. Because if you remember last Sunday, we talked about God's promise to comfort his people and his promise to lead us like a gentle shepherd. But in the kind of long buildup to today, we've also taken a look at a group of sleepy bridesmaids waiting with their empty oil lamps for the bridegroom to come. And we've talked about unprepared tenants who were surprised by the sudden appearance of their long-absent landlord. But the lectionary today undergoes a dramatic change on this third Sunday of Advent because rather than speaking of a kind of a peace in a passive sense or of a nervous anticipation of our Lord's imminent return, the lesson today puts forward the idea of a tangible and active sense of joy. And who couldn't use that right now? Right, that's the reason traditionally this third Sunday of Advent is called Gaudat Sunday from the Latin word for joy. That's the beginning of the text. And it is a day for rejoicing in lots of different ways, not the least of which is through music. Some very beautiful music that we've already enjoyed thanks to the choir. Now, it's no secret that I have absolutely no musical ability whatsoever. Right? But what you may not know is that I have a huge appreciation for it, for all kinds of music. In fact, I would be hard-pressed, honestly, to tell you a style of music that I really don't like as long as they're kept in their proper settings. And the kids will tell you, at any one time in the car or on my Pandora account or on the stereo, you'll find anything from contemporary Christian to country gospel, 20th century popular music, all the way out to 17th century opera that I torture them with occasionally. (laughs) Now, you may not like any of those styles in particular, But either way, you know that music is all around us. And I would venture to say that not a single day goes by that you are not individually exposed to some form of music. Whether it's in a commercial, on the radio, maybe on television or in the movies. Maybe it's that crazy punk that always drives past your house late at night with the ear-piercing music on inside the truck. And you wonder how they can hear even inside of there. Right? But however it happens, it happens. And whether we like it or not... Music is an everyday part of our lives. But, but is it more than that? Is it more than that? Does music have a purpose? And if so, what is the purpose? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it neutral? Does God care about music? Should I care about music? And if so, which kind should we care about? And we're going to take a look at those ideas today through the vehicle of a very well-known and ancient song. The Song of Mary. The Song of Mary after she found out she was going to become the mother of our Lord. And it's found in our, our lesson, Luke chapter 1, 46 to 45. It's sometimes referred to as the Magnificat. 
which comes from the first word of the Latin version of that text, and it just means to magnify. And Mary's song today is all about magnifying Jesus Christ as Lord. And even though the Holy Child hadn't been born yet when she sings it, still she wants to praise God and magnify his name and give him glory for everything that he has done in our Lord's miraculous conception. So we're going to look at it together. This is Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. So hear now the words of the true and living God. Luke writes, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his seed forever. That's a beautiful hymn, isn't it? And even though the words are quite simple, the composition of the song itself is not simplistic. In fact, that's what makes it the very definition of a hymn, which has been described as a lyric poem reverently and devotionally conceived, which is designed to be sung, and most importantly, which expresses the worshiper's attitude towards God. And you know, that's the very first thing that we notice in Mary's song today, is her attitude of praise for God. That's why the passage starts out with her saying, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. But then you have to ask, well, what, what prompted her to sing those lines? What's kind of the, the back story for that? So to find that out, you have to really back up 20 or so verses earlier in the text where we find the appearance of the angel Gabriel. So Luke writes, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, you remember the story, right? The angel Gabriel appears to Mary and announces to her that she is going to be the mother of the Messiah. And although Mary's confused by it at first, she submits to the Lord, and then something amazing happens as the, the story continues in verse 35. Mary is told, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And you know, after this incredible announcement, this miraculous conception, Mary is so filled with joy that she just has to share the news. So she runs off to her relative, her cousin Elizabeth. Who's expecting a miraculous child of her own? And when the two women meet, they are both so overcome with joy at everything that's happened and taken place in their lives that they both break into song, into songs of worship and praise. And Mary's words here in that song reveal something very significant about worshiping God, which is that music draws all of ourselves, both physical and spiritual, into the worship of God. Because if you've noticed it in her words, she said she praised and rejoiced in her soul and spirit. Right. She said how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And she is talking about praising God with her whole being, with her body, 
and her soul and her spirit. And we know what her, her physical body is doing, right? She's, she's singing with her vocal cords. But her words give us insight into what her soul and her spirit are doing too. Right? She's doing what's been described by first century theologian Athanasius as using music to breathe the air of heaven. Using music to breathe the air of heaven. And I've got just a short video that I want to share with you that I think illustrates that. They're, they're queuing it up in the back there. But I think any of you here that are, are interested in music at all know that, that wonderful feeling, that wonderful spiritual feeling that Christian music can bring. So go ahead and play that when you got it, buddy.
So you can see really clearly in that video and in our text today that the whole role of Mary, the incarnation, took her through a range of emotions, right? But you can also see that Mary is telling us that the true worship of God, whether it's done in private or together as a congregation, begins with the spirit, not just how we feel. Right? And Jesus' ministry affirmed it, too, in John chapter 4. He said, a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Because you see, the true worship of God flows from the spirit, but it's got its base firmly in the word of God, firmly in the scriptures. Now, for Mary, that was the Annunciation. For us, it's his holy word based on the foundation of sacred scripture. And you know, where the scriptures aren't understood, there can't be any true worship. So if you want to really worship God, you have to get into his word. You've got to ask the spirit to open the truths of the scripture to you. And sometimes your soul will jump in and you'll get that tingle, that rush, that heart beating wildly. But not always. Maybe not even very often. Because true worship doesn't depend on the flutter of emotion. It depends on spiritually understanding the scriptures. And Mary's showing that to us today. Because, you know, her mind was thoroughly soaked in scripture. We know that from the way that she speaks. Because her song is very similar to the song of Hannah in the Old Testament when she gave birth to Samuel. And to Miriam in her book of Exodus. And Mary knew the word of God because she was raised in the scriptures her whole life. And because of that, it naturally came out of her as she worshipped him. And in the rest of her song, you're going to see that and more of the truths of these scriptures as she transitions now from praising God to being joyful for what God is doing for her personally. So Mary says, for he, meaning God, took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. And now, although I have very great respect for our Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ, I think some of them, some, have mixed up these two verses. Because Mary says that she will be blessed, but that God is holy. Now, some of our brothers and sisters have mixed it up, and they call Mary holy, as in Holy Mary, Mother of God, in the Rosary. Right? Now, she definitely is the mother of Jesus, and she is definitely blessed and worthy of our respect as an example of a willing servant of God. But, brothers and sisters, it is God and only God who is holy. Amen. She was a regular person just like the rest of us. And she didn't have to be perfect for Jesus to be born without sin. Jesus was born without sin because he didn't have an earthly father, but rather had God as his father. And Mary reveals her knowledge of that in two different ways in these verses. First, she speaks of her own lowly state. And, of course, she's talking about her, her own humanity and her lowliness of mind. But she also speaks of her human condition because she understood she was a sinner in need of a savior, just like all of us are. And secondly, she recognizes that she's a servant. She calls herself the, the maidservant or the handmaiden of God. And she knows that she doesn't deserve anything from God, but wants just to please him and to praise him. And she knows that it's only because of God's grace that from now on, all generations are going to call her blessed. And when she says that, it's not a statement of pride, but a remembrance of what the angel Gabriel had told her. When he promised, remember, he said, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Right? And she has been blessed, right? She is the most favored woman 
on the face of the earth. But that shouldn't lead us to idolize her, which is something that I believe Mary herself would have never wanted. But rather to show us that we are all blessed if we accept the gift of Jesus Christ. Because there is a way that you and I can actually be more blessed than Mary. And I want to show you how. Because later in life, Jesus, one day he's, he's teaching. And this woman shouts out from the crowd to him and says, Blessed is the womb that bore you. And listen to how Jesus replied. He said back to that, that woman in Luke eleven twenty eight. He said back to her, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, Jesus wasn't trying to downplay the significance of Mary's blessing, but he was putting that blessing in the right perspective. Because as we've already seen, Mary was blessed because of her knowledge and obedience to the word of God. Jesus reveals that if you and I want to have true joy and want to be blessed just as much, if not more than Mary, all we have to do is do the same thing that she did. And that is hear the word of God and obey it. Right? That's what it all comes back to. The word of God must be heard and joyfully obeyed. That's where the true worship of God springs from. That's where the true joy from God comes from. And if you want to worship God, you have to get into the word. If you want joy, you have to get this book into your head and into your heart. And Mary's song spells that out as she understands what God has done for her. And I don't know if Mary's praise song was on his mind or not when he wrote it. But Martin Luther is quoted as saying that music is the handmaiden of theology. He said music is the handmaiden of theology. And that was kind of the inspiration for the sermon title today because I think that truth is demonstrated both literally and figuratively in this text. Because as Mary's song continues, she tells us that she understands not only the joy of what God has done for her, but the joy that she had for what God has done for the world. So she sings... He shows mercy from generation to generation to all those who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. You see, Mary sings that God responds to two different folks and two different ways and two different kinds of people. There are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And there are those who are proud and arrogant. The ones who fear God and obey him receive his mercy and his provision and they're exalted. And Mary's song shows us the opposite happens to those who trust in themselves because the arrogant and the proud are cast down and scattered. And she's saying the proud trust in themselves and their own thoughts and God scatters them and their plans don't work out. But she says while the proud are being brought down and left empty handed, the humble and the lowly are filled and exalted. And you know what? It's not because their plans were so great, but because their God is. Right? It's not because their individual plans are so great, but because their God is and his plan never fails. That's the benefit God has poured out on the world through the coming of the Messiah. That's the wonderful promise of joy that Mary sings about. Right? When she sees the world completely turned upside down by the Lord. Right? The, the weak dethrone the mighty. The humble scatter the proud. The nobodies are exalted and the hungry are filled. And those truths are comforting for us too because when you're downtrodden, God can lift you up. When you're slighted, God can bless you. When you're insulted, God will raise you up as long as you stay humble and lowly yourself by staying in the word and staying obedient and joyfully magnifying the name of Jesus. But you know, more important than all of those things is when the word of God combined with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, allows you to recognize what Jesus has done 
in the world and lifting all of us up out of the pit of sin. Because even though we deserve only punishment, God didn't give us what we deserve. He gave Jesus Christ to the world instead. So that everyone who believes on him will receive the joy of eternal life. That's what Mary's talking about. When she says she knows that the good news is not just for her generation, but will be passed down from generation to generation throughout the whole world right into this church today. Right where you're sitting. Because the good news of the gospel is for all people without distinction. And the blessings of God through Jesus Christ are for everyone who responds to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You see, the trouble is there's a lot of people today, though, who are more than willing to receive the good things Christ wants to offer. But they don't want him to take charge of their lives. They don't want him to be in charge of their business ethics or their entertainments or the language that they use when they're under pressure or their public image. They don't want Jesus to be in charge of what they do or the choices they make. But Mary would have us know that if you want to receive Christ without letting him rule in your life, you're still missing the mark. And you won't experience that joy that God has for us. Because you'll still be exalting your own plans. You're still using your own ideas, waiting until all of your own life comes crashing down and God has to reach out to rescue. And perhaps that's something else that Mary's song really teaches here. And she's hinting at when she says he's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. Jesus wasn't born in a palace of gold, was he? He wasn't born in the royal residence in Jerusalem. He was born in a stable. He was clothed in rags and laid in a feeding trough. I just kind of think about it for a minute. What, what would you think if you saw a gift under your tree that was wrapped in shabby paper and tied up with duct tape? Right? You might be afraid to open it. Right? But you see, Jesus' lowly entrance in the world doesn't diminish the story of Christ's birth. If anything, it helps us realize the great sacrifice that God made for us in his gift of humanity. The ultimate gift of joy that comes in the simplest and humblest of wrappings. The baby in the manger. The creator of the universe clothed in human flesh and bringing the joy of salvation to all those in the world who are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a joy that should be for us too. Maybe even enough to make us want to break out into song. You may not have a good voice, you know I don't. You may not have a poetic way of saying things, but it doesn't matter because God made you to worship him. He loves to hear you sing. He loves to hear you give praise just the way you are. And that's what God wants us to learn from this lesson of joy with Mary. To sing praise to him. To give joy this Christmas because both he and Mary want the gift of Christmas to be as personal for us as it was for her. That's why when Jesus was born, the angel said, For unto you is born this day a Savior. Unto you. For you. He came for you. And this is where Christmas becomes intensely personal. Because in just a few days, it's going to be here, right? Before you know it. Families are going to gather around a tree to open their presents. Kids are already counting down the hours till they can tear into them. (laughs) But if you think about it, what good is a gift that never gets unwrapped? 2,000 years ago, God sent a gift wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Jesus is God's gift to you at Christmas. But you'll never experience that Christmas joy until you personally receive the gift of Christ. So I close with the words of the angels to the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And what's the source of that joy? It's the same as it was for Mary's. For unto you, specifically is born this day in the city of David, 
a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, during this Advent season, we remember the greatest gift ever given, your Son, Jesus Christ. So fill our hearts with joy day by day as we think of our Savior, putting aside his heavenly glory and coming as a newborn baby with only a, a stable for a roof and a shelter over him, with only ordinary parents to care for him. And Father, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, grow our understanding and our wonder at his birth. And may our spirits overflow with joy and praise, just like Mary, but not joy in just this season, but all year through. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.